How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. Hey, hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer. And today, we've got one of my new favorite people, Chris Miraboli, on. Now, Chris is the co-founder and CEO of Novos, a company that is just breaking the norm when it comes to helping you stay younger for longer. As a serial entrepreneur, brain tumor survivor, and the youngest winner of the NYU Stern's business plan competition, Chris is known for beating the odds. Determined to crack the code of longevity, Chris became a self-proclaimed citizen scientist, experimenting with supplements, diet, and exercise, and research that led him to creating Novos, the first science-backed nutraceutical company and public benefit platform that addresses all 10 mechanisms of aging. As its co-founder and CEO, he's working alongside the world's top longevity scientists and MDs to help millions of people take control of their health spans and lifespans how to stay younger, longer. You guys are not going to want to miss this episode. He hits on a lot of really cool stuff that I was a huge fan of. We're going to dig into the three major things that you need to focus on to make sure that you're staying healthier for longer. We'll talk about how Chris's brain tumor at the age of 16 completely changed his life and his perspective on life for the better. And we'll also dig into the 10 keys and mechanisms of aging and how you can start to stop them from happening so that you can live longer. And don't forget that we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. And for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com to grab your copy of the number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, the book available now. All right. All right. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer, and I've got my new friend, Chris Miraboli on. Now, Chris, we're going to dig into his whole story uh, because I'm really intrigued on everything that he's been through and, and how he got to where he is now and why he looks so damn young and handsome and good looking, uh, even though he's actually 83 years old. Um <laughs> Not actually, but uh, Chris, welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So Chris, you've got, you've got a, a really interesting story. You've got an amazing company that literally helps people stay young forever. I'm just going to say forever. It's not actually forever, but it uh, helps people stay young longer. And we're going to want to dig into all of that, Novos, uh, and what you're doing with them. But before we get into that, uh, I'd love to hear about uh, your story and, and how you became an entrepreneur and obviously why you became so passionate uh, about health and wellness and, and staying young and, and that sort of stuff. So why don't, why don't we start there? Sure. So the story begins when I was 12 years old. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to go year by year with this. I'll skip a few years. But 
when I was 12 years old, I, I became interested in exercise. Uh, I saw an issue of Men's Health magazine on the newsstand, and I was inspired by that. I wanted to be in good shape and be attractive to the girls in, in school. And so I decided to start exercising and set up a pull-up bar in my basement. And um, it always admittedly, starts with the girls, right? It always starts with the girls. <laughs> the motivation, at least, yeah, for, for many yeah. things in life, both good and bad, uh, uh, come come from that. So, uh, yeah, so so I, admittedly, that was more of a superficial interest in health. But that quickly evolved uh, only a few years later when I was 16 years old. I was stopped in my tracks. I, I was in New York City on a school trip, and I suddenly had a seizure and next thing I knew, I woke up with blood all over me. I had severed my tongue um, I, Holy from, crap. from biting on it. And uh, I was rushed to the hospital. And it turned out that it was caused from a brain tumor that had been developing for years. It was larger than a golf ball. And next thing you knew, I was going in for emergency surgery and radiation and, and so on. Wow. And fortunately, I'm, I'm here to, to tell the story. So uh, everything worked out, worked out uh, to my, my favor or benefit from that. But it really planted the seed uh, and evolved my thinking about health into, you know, maybe one could argue that it evolved my thinking in health by many decades in the sense of I was yeah. thinking about existential questions of life and death and chronic illness at the age of 16 when most people are thinking about you know where can i get a beer or that cute <laughs> girl in spanish class exactly i mean to that point uh you know i i went from uh experimenting with having a beer with you know with with my friends uh after school to uh writing poetry uh by myself wow. in the woods right so wow. it, it just it was a complete transformation of of who i was and my vision of the world and what i wanted to get out of it and uh has has in many ways that that one event has in many ways led to where i am today i i would love to kind of get your thoughts you you kind of hit on something before we keep moving on from there i would love to get your thoughts on you you started to have more existential conversations around morality and death uh and and everything mortality i should say morality too but mortality and death uh, at the age of 16, and I think that's actually, you know, a lot of people are afraid to have those internal conversations, but I think that's actually a really important thing for us is to, you know, consider our death and consider our mortality and that we might die. And I think that helps us live. Would you, like, how would you say that changed you just to really sit in that as a 16-year-old kid? Yeah, I agree with that. And and by the way, I'm sorry if you hear some background noise. There's uh, it's, it sounds like they're testing the fire alarms in my building here, which uh, hopefully uh, won't no disrupt us too much. But yeah, it it um it it very much uh, changed my thinking um, about about life and and what I wanted to derive from it. So, for example, I I went from. Um, you know, a normal 16 year old to one who grew an appreciation for all aspects of life, including things as crazy as it sounds like pain and frustration. So, uh, how, how would I grow an appreciation for that? The fact that I was still alive, able to feel that pain, um, I, I appreciated. And so that really shaped my thinking about a lot of things in life in terms of the struggles and difficulties. It's, it's like, I am, I'm, I'm still granted this life to be able to go through this experience and to grow from it, to learn from it, and hopefully emerge from it a better person and further along in, in my life than I otherwise uh, would have been. And 
that, yeah, that is such a gift. That's so, you know, it's a, it's a traumatic thing you had to go through, but that perspective is amazing. Yeah, and and uh, it one hundred percent was a gift. I mean, going through the entire experience, most people would probably think of it as a negative experience, you know, nearly losing your life and then going through all of the recovery processes and the frustration and and the pain and so on. But I I I made a conscious decision to treat it as a gift. I, I think that there's this moment uh when you're going through an experience like this where you have that choice, whether you are fully lucid and aware of the option or not we all have that choice to make, right? Like, do we let maybe the default mode of thinking lead you to feeling like you're a victim, for example, or do we make that that proactive choice to redefine this experience as one that is productive and positive and bringing you to a better place? And if you, if you make that decision, then you can reframe your thinking about everything that happened. And, you know, when we talk later about, about my business Novos, um, that same theme of like reframing your thinking, looking through a different set of lenses on the topic of health, just like I'm talking about now on the topic of going through a traumatic experience. Uh, I think it, it's been like a really strong tool uh, or gift that I've, I've had throughout my life to be able to think that way of, of redefining experiences. Yeah. I love that. And so, so going through this experience obviously leads you down a different path uh, toward the entrepreneurial journey and the health and wellness journey. So what what happens then? Yeah, so so part of going through this experience uh, brought me to the, the realization that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I had already been considering it. I, I was programming for a company in New York City prior to all of this. And I, I I was beginning to catch the entrepreneurial bug, but this this experience really solidified it for me because I realized that I wanted to be able to chart my own course and make as large of an impact as possible. And of course, there are many different ways to do that for different people, but for me, I saw that as being uh, an entrepreneur. And so, um, so, but before before doing that, I, I uh, had to take my SATs and go to college. And when the brain tumor took place or the, the experience took place, it was during PSATs and going into wow. SATs. And it was really difficult for me because I, my memory was shot. Like I yeah. remember having a tutor. So the school generously provided me with at-home tutors for the first couple of months after the experience. And I remember my history tutor asking me to repeat the sentence she had just read to me five seconds prior and I yeah. couldn't repeat the sentence. Wow. Like my memory was that shot and I was taking AP physics and all of these different classes. And it's like, how do you keep up with this much less take your SATs? And so yeah. it was a real, real struggle for me for the first time I, I, I was understanding, like school had come e relatively easily to me to that point. But at this point it was so humbling for me to understand like how difficult it could yeah. be to learn something so simple. Even prior to uh, to this, when I was being, uh, they were running different tests on me before doing the brain surgery. One test, they actually sent a chemical directly into my brain to turn off different regions of my brain. And one of the things they turned off was my speech section of my brain. Mm -hmm. And so they, they showed me a lemon and they asked me to say lemon. And I couldn't say it. They show me a banana. They're like, what is this? And I'm thinking in my head, 
wow, do you think I'm an idiot? I don't know what a banana is before I knew what the test was. Right. So I tried to say banana and it came out as, (laughs) I couldn't say it came out as banana (laughs) and I couldn't believe what was coming out of my mouth. Uh, And then I had to try it again. Uh, Another, another time they made me literally blind i couldn't see anything and i, I thought yeah. i was partially in a dream state i, I couldn't really uh, like comprehend what was happening but the reason i mentioned this is that i was able to see for the first time like firsthand experience a significant disability whether it was just like the the memory issue or the not, inability not just one, to have but speech. several different disabilities you were actually going through the cycle of them Right, right. I mean, now, fortunately, they didn't persist, right? To this yeah. day, um, you know, my, my girlfriend might argue differently, but to this day, I don't really have these these disabilities, fortunately. But having experienced them was really humbling and eye, eye-opening in many ways. Wow. Yeah, and so, so obviously, you get to experience what it's like to have all of these disabilities. And as an entrepreneur, you're now at the point you're like, okay, well, I, you know, at this point you're like, okay, I need to do something about this. And this is where, uh, you know, obviously now there's, a, there's you know, many years in between, but like, you know, starting Novos, what, what was the purpose and idea behind starting Novos? Was it to, to help with this sort of stuff or what's the connection there? Great question. So yeah, over the many years in between, I was typically doing tech ventures. And yeah. so the question is like, how does a tech entrepreneur decide to go into starting a company that's essentially a consumer biotech company? Yeah. And the answer is that number one, as I mentioned, I was always passionate about health from the beginning. After yeah. going through the experience with the brain tumor, I then became interested in health from the biological avoidance of disease perspective. And I started to research my own genetics to try to understand if I had a higher propensity to get the gr- yeah. the brain tumor in the first place. And by doing that, I started to learn more about genetics and the impact that your genes can have on your biology, uh, understanding the concept of epigenetics, which we can talk more about because that plays a big role in the aging process as well. And I started to experiment a lot, uh, everything from different diet plans to different supplements, lifestyle interventions, improving my sleep hygiene. And so it's uh, many people consider this to be like biohacking. I, I was experimenting with this for probably about a decade before I decided to start Novos. So the question is then why start Novos in the first place? And back to that point that I raised earlier about different perspectives or lenses through which to look at things. I started to, it took time over the course of a few years, but I evolved to starting to look at health through the lens of longevity, which essentially means the lens of what is good for you both in the short term and in the long term, so that you can maximize your health span. In other words, the period in which you live disease-free. I I love love you said their health span, not lifespan, health span. Right, exactly. So, So lifespan, of course, you want to live as long of a life as possible, but only if your health span accompanies that. You don't yeah. want to get sick at, sick at 60 years old and then live until you're 120. What fun would that be, right? You, yeah. If you if you're going to live until 120, imagine if you were like the equivalent of 40 and 50 year olds in terms of your health all the way up until you're like 118 years old. And then yeah. the last 2 years you you kind of you know uh, slowly fade into the into yeah. the distance, right? That that's the that's the ideal. And what I was realizing was that 
so much of the health advice out there, it's so confusing and overwhelming. There's so many conflicting suggestions, whether it be like be vegan or be paleo or go keto, super high fat, or go with a low fat diet, right? There's so many competing ideas with, with diet alone, much less supplements yeah. and prescription drugs and doctor's perspectives and so on. And so what I realized was there's a lot of things that are suggested that are good for you in the short term, but not good for you in the long term. So it might be good for you in the short term to like lose weight or maybe increase your libido and your sex drive or whatever, or build muscle. But is that actually good for you in the long term? And oftentimes the answer is no. So I'll give you an example. Growth hormone. A lot of celebrities or you know well-to-do people in big cities are, are now like getting growth hormone injections when they're hitting their 40s and 50s because it makes them more virile, more energetic, you know, like look look younger, act and feel younger. And in the short term, that's all certainly true. So in the short term, you could argue this person's healthier. But in the long term, there's tons of data across animals and human studies that shows that higher levels of growth hormone shorten lifespan. Yeah. It's like case closed. It, it's, it's known practically definitively that it's going to shorten lifespan. And so this is a concept that's known as antagonistic pleiotropy, which is, again, the simple way to think of it is what is good for you in the short term can in the long term come back to bite you in the end. And so I'll wrap up with this. What I wanted to do was create a a um, a company that focused on uh, maximizing your health both in the short term and in the long term. There is yeah. no detriment, uh, and and yeah. to significantly maximize your health span and lifespan. And that comes down to supplements. It comes down to diet plans, lifestyle, and so on. And and that's essentially the core of what Novos is. I, I love that, man. This is you're you're preaching my language, by the way. And, and you know, when we first jumped on this call, you asked me because we just moved. Me and my wife just moved to Costa Rica a couple of weeks ago, and you asked me, "Well, why Costa Rica?" And one of the answers that I didn't give you is, and I don't know if you knew this, but Costa Rica, specifically the Nicoya Peninsula, is a blue zone. And you know, that was part of the reason we moved here is because you know they're doing something here that is expanding not just lifespan but health span. Right? People people live over a hundred, but they don't just live over a hundred; they are active over a hundred. Right. And so kind of looking at some of the life changes, the health changes, the things that they do to get there. So this is this is definitely something we're really passionate about. Um, what if I were to ask you, what are maybe some of the 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 top two or three things that you've noticed to really help, uh, whether it's from a dietary standpoint, a supplementary standpoint, to really help expand health span for people and, and help them increase uh increase the benefits both short term and long term. So a lot of it really does come down to the basics, right? So, so we can talk about supplements, and that's that's what Novo specializes in, and that's where some of the more you know exciting innovations can can come into play. But in terms of like the foundation to build, a lot of that is simple. And uh, number one, it it is physical activity. So, what is physical activity though? For everyone, it's different, right? I'm I'm like the the type who has always been athletic since I was 12 years old and I'm always pushing myself hard. Uh, but I've come to realize that you can actually push yourself too hard where it's actually not good for longevity, right? Like running a marathon is not good for longevity. It causes excess inflammation. Uh, mm -hmm. But getting the proper amount of, of stimulation and 
sympathetic nervous system activation and then rest and digest parasympathetic nervous system where you're recovering. Um, having that, that balance is key. So how much activity? Well, at a minimum, I would say 21 minutes a day. There is a study that, that has, has validated this 21 minutes a day, seven days a week of moderate in intensity exercise. That could be a brisk walk, for example. And that will get you, it's like Pareto's principle, the 80-20 rule. That yeah. will get you a significant portion of, of the benefits in terms of lifespan and health span. Not quite 80%, but maybe it's like 60% of the benefits, 70% of the benefits, just from 20 minutes a day. Everyone can do that. Uh, if you really want to maximize the benefits, then you can throw in uh, weight training, especially for the legs, because as you get older, you have sarcopenia, which is when you lose muscle mass and a very common cause of death for older people is falling. And so yeah. you wanna make sure you have a very strong foundation in your legs so that that doesn't happen. Uh, but weightlifting on its own can also confer other health benefits and it, it can actually you know, uh, stimulate your heart as well, believe it or not, right? So, um, so, so you, can do, you can do exercise and high interval, uh, high intensity interval training and so on. Um, to maximize that. Then the second is diet. And when it comes to diet, there's so many different perspectives on diets. Uh, there, there's reason for the keto enthusiasts to be excited about it for the sake of longevity, because certain processes that are activated when you are in ketosis um, are, are largely associated with longevity in animal and human studies, things like autophagy, um, and in the production of ketones and so on. Uh, but at the same time, those same processes, uh, biological processes are activated through fasting as well. And when you look at the blue zones, like you mentioned in Costa Rica yeah. or in Japan or in Sardinia, Italy, and so on, there's five of them. Uh, the, the diets are, are, are all different based on region, but they all have a lot of similarities. And and the core of it is the Mediterranean diet style, right? Where it's it's a fair amount of seafood for the protein, but mostly like vegetables, a lot of high fiber foods, uh, fermented foods, so on and so forth. In fact, on our website, we have a page at novoslabs.com slash diet, where we give suggestions that go even above and beyond what the Blue Zone diets um, uh, have in our estimation based on scientific research a few adjustments to to it, but it's 95%, 90% the same as, as those Mediterranean diets. Uh, so I would say the combination of fasting and having this solid diet, this Mediterranean style diet or the Novos longevity diet would be getting you most of the way. Uh, what I'll throw in there is then also uh, more psychological. It is the uh, reduction of stress. It is the yes. social connections. It is having purpose in life. So all of those things play a real role in in your biology, in how you feel, how um, how you react, and and how how your your body. It's kind of psychosomatic, right? Like what is happening in your brain can manifest in in your body, and that's not fake science. It's it's real science. It's, like this is real science, idea. Yeah. yeah, a depressed person versus a happy person. I mean, when you look at the lifespan numbers, it's it's very significant. I don't have them in front of me, but it is it is you know more than a decade in terms of extended lifespan for people who are optimists versus pessimists, for example. So, wow. 
there's there's a lot that goes into that. So I would say have strong social ties, uh, have at least three strong social connections that could be uh, significant to other. It could be children, it could be best friends, but having three of them is seems to be like the key number uh, that you want. Have purpose in your life, something that drives you every day when you wake up. That could be as simple as caring for someone or volunteering. You don't have to be, you know, starting a billion dollar business to have purpose. Yeah. It could be, it could be the small things, right? It, it literally could be just helping out your neighbor every day. Um, uh, and then knowing how to cope with stress, right? So being a conscientious person, aware of, of, um, of, of your life and what's happening around you and to be able to cope with that stress, whether it's through meditation or reframing problems or, um, or, or talking it out with people, whatever you need to do personally to get through stressful times, those are all really key. I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Um, as you, cause you, you said something there very particular. You said how to cope with stress. You didn't say avoid stress. You didn't say, you know, not have any stress. Cause I think, you know, we're all going to have stress in our life. And, and I think there was a, there's a TEDx by Dr. Kelly McGonigal, where she said, you know, stress actually necessarily isn't the, the, the thing that's killing us. It's the belief that stress is bad and our inability to handle the stress that actually causes the, the negativity that's going on in our, our body or the, the negative hormones. Um, so when you say, you know, coping with stress, uh, and you mentioned meditation, everything like that. Like, do you believe that there's a certain level of stress that is actually good for us that helps us grow, or or do you think all stress is bad? Uh, I I completely 100% believe that you need some stress in your life. So, to borrow a biological term, hormesis. Hormesis is the idea that a a small stressor can lead to your body coming back even more powerful than before. So, an example of that, an easy example, is exercise. So exercise yep. is a hormetic stressor. When you exercise, you're literally tearing your muscle fibers apart. And your muscle fibers, when they're torn apart, they secrete inflammatory molecules. And scientists once believed, this is going back decades, like in the 70s and 80s, that these inflammatory molecules were what caused aging. They caused DNA damage and aging. And although there's a, a, a bit of truth to that, it's, it's, we've since realized that it's a, a, a lot more shades of gray than that. These inflammatory molecules are actually messenger molecules. So, so you know, you're a developer, you understand data. These are pieces of data that the supercomputer of our bodies. Telling your can body, then, hey, let's go repair. Let's go repair and let's come back stronger. So the next time when you lift that 50 pound weight, instead of it tearing muscle like it did, you, you are prepared for it and you can easily lift that 50 pound. Uh, weight, right? And so now you're able to do 55 pounds. And each time you're increasing the stress a little bit and you're capable of dealing with more and more. I think that's perfectly analogous to how we should think about psychological stressors as well. Once you start to understand how to deal with these stressors and you've been through difficult situations and you have different tool sets, then you can get through them more easily. I'll give you an example. Going back to the beginning of the story about my, my brain tumor, I will oftentimes reframe a stressor today by looking at the things I've been through in my life, like that brain tumor. So yeah. to say, is what I'm going through really that bad compared to what I've been through before? And have I, since I went through that more difficult situation, have I come out smiling and happy and had good things happen in my life? In other words, I have lived an amazing life after that really difficult situation. Why is this situation any different? It's not. I'm going to get through it 
and I'm going to end up on the other end happy and in a great place. It might be challenging to get through that, but I'm up for the challenge, right? That's one tool that I choose to use if there is a difficult, challenging situation for me to get through it. Is there, is there anything that you can say for anybody who's been through like that? Because I, I completely agree. Um, you know, about five and a half years ago, my best friend took his own life and losing him and going through that process, you know, kind of forced me into that moment of mortality and questioning life and death and all of those sorts of things and making it through. I, when you're describing like, you know, like I'd, I'd never been more grateful for pain before because I was here. Right. And for me, it was similar. It was like, I'd never been more, more grateful for loss because it meant that I had so much love in my life before. And I, I truly believe that, that the pain, that the loss made me more of the man and more of the person that I am today. But for anybody who hasn't been through something like that, like you or I have, is there, do you think there's another way they can develop that perspective as they're going through stressors or what are your thoughts? That's, that's a difficult question. Um, that's why I asked it. Didn't want to let you off easy. So good yeah. Answer other ones <laughs> yeah uh it's, it's it's hard it's 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 hard it, it's one of those things that like having gone through it myself um it's 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 easy for me to to you know because i went through the experience it's easy for me to arrive at this point but yeah. how would i convince someone or or bring them to that point without them having gone through it themselves i don't know um I don't know. I'd have to think about yeah. that more. Do, do well, you man, have any ideas? I didn't, of, I didn't of how have to? an answer. This is why I asked. You. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot that people can do. Obviously, listening to stories like this, um, you know, doing your best to empathize and, and be around people. And, and, you know, if you've, if you've ever been around people that have been in tougher situations than you, it creates a sense of, sense of empathy and, and sympathy with what they're going through and being like, holy crap, my problems are, are not that bad compared to other stuff. So I have seen, um, you know, a lot of that anytime I've, I've gone to, to give back. I used to, um, I used to work at Skid Row, uh, in Los Angeles and I used to run life coaching workshops for kids on, on Skid Row in, in downtown Los Angeles, you know, kids in their, you know, young teens or even preteens that were homeless and, and going through so much more than I'd ever have to go through in my life. And I think that really helped. Um, but putting yourself in in sympathetic situations to connect with other people, gain perspective, I think is really helpful. But I, I don't know if there's an exact answer. That's why I wanted to see if you had yeah. anything. So I, appreciate I, I think that. I think that I think that's a great suggestion. Um, also, not as good of a suggestion, but another thing that that can potentially help is, and this isn't for everyone, but just the idea of, of meditating. I, I really do believe in meditating. There was a period yeah. when I was. Um, I had a failed business. I, I was depressed. And uh, that's when I really picked up the practice of meditation. And you can meditate. There's many different forms of meditation. But one form is for you to try to envision yourself in the situation um, that's more difficult than what you're currently in. Like, uh, look at what's happening in Ukraine, for example, right now. Yeah. Like, to meditate on that, to close your eyes and imagine that you were in that situation and that you know, there are bombs exploding around you and, and you, you, you're you not with your fa family and friends and your career has disappeared right now. You don't know what you're going to do with the rest of your life. And just imagining like how difficult that would be. And then you open your eyes and you say, oh, wow, I am blessed to be in this yeah. physical space I'm in with my partner, uh, with the business that I'm working on, or even if things seem really hard and difficult and you are depressed, like relatively speaking, 
that does help to reframe things and set the context. I, I love that because I think, you know, as, as someone who's been in self-development for uh, many years now, I think one of the things that I always hear is like, you, you got to meditate on on the positivity and where you want to be and this and that. And I've I found a lot of power in meditating on negative situations, meditating on death, meditating on worst case scenarios, meditating on things like that and, and the empowerment it brings you outside of the meditation. So I love that you're suggesting that. That's awesome. I, I think, I think, sorry, very quickly. I think, I think the combination of the two can be super yeah. powerful. Uh, when you meditate on even just envisioning your future going in the negative direction that you might think it's going right now, or the status quo, like if you don't make a change in your life, this is what can result from it. And then also meditating on if you do make that change and things go exactly as planned, what could your life be like? And being yeah. able to compare the two of them side by side is a really powerful psychological tool to see the worst case scenario, the best case scenario that can really get people motivated to, to make a change in their lives. I love that. I love that. Um, so obviously there's a, a lot of benefits in some of the basics, the fundamentals, diet, exercise, uh, social connection, uh, the ability to cope with and handle stress, not necessarily get rid of it. Um, and then uh, it sounds like Novos is the the icing on the cake. How, what are you guys doing in Novos to kind of really take this to the next level? Sure. So there was a seminal paper published in a prestigious journal called Cell, which was called The Nine Hallmarks of Aging. And I read this paper many years ago when I was first understanding the idea of longevity. And this paper, basically, it was a meta-analysis of hundreds of other papers. And they categorized these papers that dealt with lifespan and health span into biological concepts that are essentially called the nine hallmarks or mechanisms of aging. They're essentially the nine causes of aging, like what goes wrong when you start getting older and, and why do you ultimately get chronic disease like cancer or Alzheimer's or diabetes, uh, you know, the list goes on. Uh, and why do you ultimately then die? And uh, I wanted to create a company that was able to ideally address all of these different hallmarks of aging because what I found was that the companies in the space at, at the time when I was getting started, everything was biotech. Everything was pharma or biotech. So these were interventions that I would not be able to realistically in integrate into my life or that of my loved ones, like my family and friends. And for, for, for years to come, and even then it would require a doctor's prescription, my insurance might not cover it, it might be unaffordable, like all of these different issues. So it was like, what can I actually do today to impact these hallmarks of aging? And so what are those hallmarks of aging? I'll, I'll, I'll mention a few of them. Uh, one that might be very commonly known is mitochondrial health. So mitochondria being the power plants of, of your cells, these are what are taking the carbs and the fats and the proteins and generating energy from them for you to think, for your heart to beat, for your muscles to move. Uh, there is DNA damage. So uh, uh, different different forms of, of uh, uh, radiation, whether that be uh, UV radiation or toxins or damage can accumulate from even just eating food can, can cause DNA damage. So your DNA gets damaged and now there's mutations and a higher chance of cancer, for example. There's your epigenome. I mentioned this earlier. So your epigenome is your gene expression. So which genes are turned on and off? If your genes are like the piano, your epigenome is like the piano player. 
who's either playing Mozart if everything's going well, or is like a kid crashing down on the keys if everything's going poorly. Trying to right? trying to play chopsticks, but not getting it quite right. <laughs> like me, if I were to be on the <laughs> on the piano, that's what I would sound like. Uh, and so, so there are a total of of ten of these different causes of aging, and so I when I started Novos, uh, I wanted to be the first company, either biotech, pharma, or consumer the first company ever to address all of them simultaneously because the belief validated by the scientists that I was uh, interviewing before starting Novos to get validation for the concept all agreed that if you're going to make a substantial impact on the aging process, you can't do what these biotech companies are doing, which is focus on only one mechanism at a time. You need to look at the body as almost like a car where um, if you have an old car and, and the tires are blown out and the muffler's gone and the engine needs oil, uh, all of these things, you can't just replace the tires and expect everything to work again. You need to deal with every aspect of that car for it to function properly. And it's the same thing with the human body. And so we are the very first company to address all of these hallmarks of aging simultaneously. And we did so with natural ingredients so that we can actually uh, sell this without needing FDA approval for you know clinical trials to be able to sell it. That's very cool, man. That's very cool. That's definitely something I, I know me and my wife will probably look into. So uh, thank you for sharing that one. And I think you you also have a personal blog where you dig into a lot of the idea of how to stay young for longer. Is that, what, is that true too? Yeah. So I have a, a personal blog that I launched just a couple of months ago. And so uh, it's it's kind of my own personal account of uh, how, how to slow down aging and to live as long as possible. Yeah. And uh, it, it was really motivated by, I, I, I took what's known as epigenetic tests. This is the best way science has to measure how old you are biologically. Yeah. And the laboratory that's a world's leader in this space told me that I had the best results they've ever seen. And I, I was surprised by that. Uh, I didn't expect that going in. And what am I doing different than everyone else? I mean, I exercise more than the average person and I eat healthier more than the average person, but like there are plenty of other people out there who exercise or eat like I do. Uh, what am I doing differently while well, I'm taking Novos? That's the only real thing that I, I could identify. And so I, I, I thought it would be good for me to put this information out there about uh, my lifestyle, about the results of my tests, like full, you know, uh, transparent presentation of all of these data points for others, hobbyists or people interested in the space to be able to learn from and, and grow from. So that's slowmyage.com. You'll see multiple different epigenetic tests from different scientists that have created them. Uh, the results for that, my telomere age, which are the end caps of your chromosomes to protect your DNA. Um, a number of other biomarkers that I track on there. You, you and I were talking about this before we even started. Do you mind telling everybody your age and what what the uh, what the science, the epigenetic tests, and the telomeres are, are telling you? How old you are? Sure, sure. So, uh, so I'm 38 years old. Though when I ran the test, I was about 37 and a half. And so the epigenetic age clock. Um, was minus 13.6 years. So that's 37%. It implies that over the course of my life, I've aged 37% slower than yeah. the average person. Uh, then there's also something called Dunedin pace clock. This is 
uh, arguably the most accurate epigenetic clock out there. This doesn't measure your biological age. It measures your pace of aging. So for every one chronological year, how many years are you aging? And this is also something that can change more quickly from an intervention. Because if you imagine the analogy of a, of a car, if you've been driving for 10 hours, to change the distance you've traveled is much more difficult than to change the speed at which you're driving. You just press the yeah. gas or the brake and you change it immediately. So for that, uh, it came back as minus 31%. So for every one chronological year, according to this clock, I'm aging at 0.69 years. Now, why is this all relevant? I mean, it's not about uh, looking younger or, or what have you. It, it, it actually has very real implications. These clocks, uh, at least the later generation epigenetic clocks, are correlated to mortality risk. So if you are 10 years younger biologically than your peers, you've got a very, very significant lower chance of passing away or getting a chronic illness, which has very real, real implication. Um, and then finally, the telomere age, this is something you, you, you found to be uh, funny before yeah. when we were talking. Uh, my telomeres were, were a real shocker. Uh, they came back as the equivalent of a 7.8 year old. Yeah. So I don't put as much stock into this, uh, just to be very clear. Telomere age has is something that scientists once believed might be a really good indicator of how old someone is biologically, and the, the telomere length gets shorter with time. The thing is that the variance, the distribution is too wide to really call it an accurate biomarker. Uh, nonetheless, that of a 7.8-year-old is is kind of like off the charts outlier. A little, a little bit weird, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's a little bit weird, definitely, to say the least. Oh, that's awesome, man. Chris, this has been this has been super powerful. Um, I think our audience is gonna get a ton out of this. One more time, where can where can everybody check out Novos and where can everybody check out your personal blog? So novoslabs.com. We have a great blog and uh, we have a free ebook you can download there, as well as a longevity quiz that you can take for free. Um, and there's also facial AI where you can take a selfie and see how old your face looks and skin health markers and so on based on artificial intelligence. There's no humans looking at that information Super. or the photographs, but uh, that's all on uh, novoslabs.com. Uh, we, we're on social as at novoslabs on all of the social platforms and then slowmyage.com. And I'm on, on uh, Twitter and Instagram as slowmyage. Perfect, Chris, thanks a ton. I think our audience is gonna get a ton out of this. I know I personally did. Uh, and for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com, S-Y-D-L-I-C book.com and grab your copy of the number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, the book available now. Chris, thanks a ton, man. This has been great. Of course. Thank you, Xander. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton. Thanks a ton.